This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. We're traveling all over the place to bring you hope and joy and a little acceptance, too. And we'll start with a delight, an Irish comedian, Maeve Higgins. Her Smile Out Loud book is called Maeve in America, Essays by a Girl from Somewhere Else. And how did Maeve Higgins come to find herself sitting next to America's favorite astrophysicist? Well, you know, for a really long time, um, I've been a real mentor to Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he's always, I've taught him everything he knows, not I'm just joking. He, um, you know, he's got this uh, fantastic show. It's a radio show and a podcast, Star Talk. And it's also a TV show where he kind of um, explores the intersection between pop culture and science. He, of course, is an astrophysicist and the head of the Hayden Planetarium. But he uses comedians like myself as a co-host, I think because we're naturally sort of curious and hopefully funny people. So um, we'll ask questions and we don't, we're not afraid to look a bit silly. And that helps everybody to understand this very rarefied world that, that he's in, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, so he, a few years ago, um, I started to do, to do shows with him and it's been so much fun. And also it's been so, uh, I've learned so much, you know. Yeah about science and yeah it's cool it's a great job and you do know that this is the coolest thing in the world and everybody wants to be in your chair with Neil deGrasse Tyson yes oh I know because you know people come to the shows and then there's often a Q&A session afterwards and one time this man was like I'm here with my pregnant wife Neil we want you to choose the baby's name <laughs> like people adore him and for good reason too you know he's not just that he's a genius or that he's you know this the country's foremost astrophysicist but he's also very humane and he's I think he's very wise too which is different than being just clever yeah he crosses a lot of lines he's pretty he's pretty amazing as are you now you came <laughs> to the United States as a comedian, how old were you then? I was 31 when I moved here first, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that was five years ago. So I'm, you know, I'm 29 now, which is perfect. I know. And that's how we do our <laughs> math in America. I have the same kind of math in my own life as well. But you must have to have so much confidence to say, A, I'm going to be a comedian. And B, I'm going to do it in New York. I mean, I think, you know, that's a lovely way of putting it. I think you you could also be driven by insecurity. And I think I flip-flop between those two things where I'm like, I can do it. And then I'm like, oh, I got to prove that I can do that. You know, it's a tricky one. I think it's um, moving to a different country is always a challenge, but it's also... For me, it proved to be a huge opportunity. I think I was really lucky to to get here and to get a visa and to have all of these amazing, you know, like working with Neil, um, writing for the New York Times and and writing this book too. None of that would have happened if I if I stayed in Ireland, you know. Right. How did you get a visa? 
Well, I slept with that. No, I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first piece I got was um, through the Kansas City Irish Festival, which is this lovely festival that happens around St. Patrick's Day in Kansas, which incidentally is not in Kansas State, but anyway, it's in Missouri. And I went there and they got me a visa, a performer's visa, and it was a year long. So after that, I said I'd try my hand in New York. And then I qualify for this funny visa, Casey, that a lot of people born in America don't know about. It's called the Alien of Extraordinary Ability Visa, no. um, <laughs> which is something I often say on first dates, not that it helps. Is this for real? There really is this kind of thing? There is, yeah. It's, the category is the 0102 visa, and, you know, it's for people who, um, you know, I suppose, as it suggests, like, if you're very good at one thing. Now, that thing could be athletics, not me, uh, science, also not me, or it could be the arts. So through my comedy and writing, I qualified for this uh, Extraordinary Ability Visa. I'm so glad we have one of those. Yes, I am too. And I mean, I think as well, uh, it would probably be remiss of me not to say, I think it also helps that, you know, I'm a white immigrant and that I'm from Europe. I think it's easier for us, which is clearly unfair um, to, to get to America so I'm very privileged in that way but that's definitely one of the reasons that I started to be more curious around immigration because I thought wait a second like why was I able to kind of waltz in and then all of these other people who possibly need to be here more were not allowed in so that was a big question in my work for the last few years right yes you weren't fleeing any oppression I wasn't no, I wasn't, absolutely not. No. And how does your big Irish family feel about you being here? I'm sure you go back and forth a lot, but um, you must miss them like crazy. Um, I do. You know, I get to go home. It's funny, I still call Ireland home, but I think of America as my home too. But yeah, I go home maybe once or twice a year, and I do miss them. But, you know, for I think it's great to leave where you're from I think it gives you a really a much clearer picture of where you're from when you're far away I don't really know how that works like the physics of it but I definitely think it's helped with my writing it's helped me to see Ireland and to see my life there a bit more clearly from a distance Alright writing and stand-up comedy which feels better and why? Stand-up comedy is instantly gratifying. I mean, you have a thought in the morning and then you say it on stage that night and if people laugh, you just like feel like the queen of the world. But I think longer term, writing is a bit better. Do you write, Casey? I do, but not, yeah. not, not that many people can see. That doesn't matter, right? Like mm. the thing is, with writing, I use it as a way to figure out what I'm thinking and feeling, and that's really useful for me. And that's really, I think, helpful long term, just to to take that time and to kind of investigate, like what's really going on with me and with this issue mm. and with the world. And so, yeah, as a writer, you probably you probably know the satisfaction of when you actually get to to put down your thoughts and feelings. I think it's a really um, very valuable. And completely scary. Maeve in America, Maeve Higgins, our guest, Essays by a Girl from Somewhere Else is the book. And I understand that you can get up on stage and say something you thought and you get a quick response and, and people laugh and you feel great. But when you put all of your thoughts down in a book and then you see that so many people are buying that book because they want to know what you have to say and they are delighted by how you express yourself. What does that feel like? like well it's funny isn't it because writing is so personal i write alone in my room sometimes my dog is there but it's a very personal act and then um 
I want people to read it, you know, but it is a kind of a vulnerable place to be in. But I think ultimately I've gotten so much comfort and pleasure from reading other people's work. And if I can make somebody laugh or if I can make somebody think, oh, that's what I always feel, but I wasn't sure how to say it, then that feeling, that's worth it. Mm. You know, that's, that's really worth it. Great. Yeah. Maeve in America, what have you not done yet that you want to accomplish here in America? Oh, I mean, I want to visit every Shake Shack in every state. (laughs) I'm very high-minded, and I want to go in there and get a peanut butter shake. I love the portion sizes. (laughs) No, Casey, I need to visit the Grand Canyon. I haven't done that yet. Neither have I. Really? Really. I'll meet you in the middle. i meet you right there. We'll get on a donkey and we'll have a great old time for ourselves. It's a fabulous country, you know. It really is. And like I said, it's given me a lot. And I think it's got such growing pains that we're all feeling at the moment. But I think there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful. And I'm very glad to be here, Casey, you know. We are very glad to have her here as well, Maeve Higgins. If you'd like to win her collection of essays, Maeve in America, email me from the contact page at casey.co. Just include your address so I can send it right out. Thanks to all of you who came out for our retreat weekend at Greymore and Garrison. We told our stories with the colors of nature, making mandalas and walking a labyrinth trail. More of that to come the first weekend in March. We'll do another weekend retreat at Mariandale and Ossining. If you can't wait that long, join me for a one-day retreat September 15th at Greymore as we explore our spirituality. Now, if you'd rather explore the dance floor, we can do that too. I'm hosting a Mamma Mia 80s dance October 12th in Verplank. Casey.co has details. We'd love to see you there. Okay, who needs a little hope? Who wants to help spread hope? Meet Dr. Rosalind Tompkins and find out why she created MakeAHopeConnection.com. Because I believe uh, that America is facing a hope crisis. We can see that through the, the high rate of suicides that's taken place over the past decade, from 1999 to about 2016. The suicide rate has risen by about 25%. It it has risen over those. And that's the first time in the history of America. And that's one of the main indicators that we're looking at that shows that Americans are are in the point of despair. And we heard about the high-profile suicides, but that's just, you know, those that make the news. And it's happening every day. So what we believe now is that if everyone, and we've been seeing phenomenal results with this, as people are taking the hope challenge and, and thinking hope, and, and in other words, beginning to look at situations and thinking that the best case scenario rather than the worst case scenario, and then not only thinking hope, but then reaching out to others and having hope chats. And we have seven steps to having successful hope chats where now you're spreading the hope that you receive because you never know what someone is going through. There's so many uh, incidents where people say, uh, this person that was sitting right next to me at work and they came and they went every day and I and I never knew that they were contemplating suicide and never knew that you know what they were going through so we're challenging people to reach out and spread hope to others 
because I believe that hope can change the world, whether it's addictions, whether it's relationship issues, whether it's some type of, you know, loss of, of a loved one and death or finances or whatever it may be. We all could use a little hope in our lives. I agree. So, Dr. Rosalind Tompkins, here to promote hope and the Hope Challenge. How do we go about this? Well, the first thing you could do is uh, go to our website, and that's makeahopeconnection.com. And uh, at makeahopeconnection.com, it has all the information about how you can take the Hope Challenge. It has the seven steps to a successful Hope Chat. It talks about how you can take hope breaks and how to schedule a little hope into your life. And it also talks about how you can become a citizen of hope. If you would like to be a part of this, if this resonates and you say, you know what, I can do that. I want to find out more, I want to be a part of what they're doing, I want to become a hope giver, then it's a it's a way you can find out how to become a citizen of hope and just join this campaign. The founder of Mothers in Crisis, Dr. Rosalind Tompkins, invites you to spread hope at makeahopeconnection.com. It's amazing what one person can do. And when it comes to relationships, it's amazing what 15 minutes a week could do to build new bonds of intimacy. Schedule that 15 minutes on your calendar for your honey or with your kids. Dr. Joel Block tells us how it works in his book, The 15-Minute Relationship Fix. First, a couple is going to have a conference with themselves, not with each other, with themselves. They're going to be thinking about what they want to speak about with their partner. So whatever they speak about, usually it's going to be independent because they haven't spoken about it before the conference. At the conference, which is 15 minutes, the first part is that they're going to talk about something that happened. And that's going to be very brief because usually it's going to be something that happened to do with the other person. So they don't have to go through all the details. The person was there. And the second part of that is they're going to teach the person about their psychology. Such and such happened. Here's how it impacted me. Let me tell you about myself and how I work. Oh, and by the way, a very important part of this is the pronoun, as they're speaking about things, is I, me. It's not you. So I'm talking about myself. I'm not pointing my finger at you. Right. Way different than most people speak. The second part of it is, if there's something that occurred in your earlier life that was activated by something that occurred in your current life, bring that in. Uh, how do you know if that's the case? Generally speaking, if something occurs between people and they have a disproportionate reaction to what occurred, usually there's something that's going on from their earlier life, maybe their childhood, or um, not necessarily their childhood, but it could have been just their earlier life. So they're not um, overreacting, they're just reacting to something different than what's actually happening. Yes. And the third thing is, very important also, what part that you play in this. Something happens between two people, people form a system. So there's always a part, it may not be 50-50, but there's always a part that you play in what happens with your partner. Talk to that. Right. And again, these things are unusual because that's not how people deal with things. Generally, there's a critical moment. What's a critical moment? I was open with you and you were judging me. I decided, you know what, I'm gonna be careful with you because this isn't the first time it happened. People who are really together in a love relationship there's only one person who's at the top of that hierarchy of people that they don't want to be judged by. It's the person they live with. Mm -hmm. like it's very, very sensitive. So if something occurs, generally speaking, what they'll do is they'll take a step back. Over the years, they take a step back out of the love relationship. Oh. And I'm suggesting that you can use the emotional conference to take a step forward. There's only one fight worth happening in a relationship, and that's not who's going to empty the dishwasher. It's about intimacy. Real love has to do with being understood 
and revealing yourself enough so that you could be understood. So what happened, let's go back to the emotional conference. So what happened was we went through that. While I was doing, let's say I was doing it with you, Casey. Mm -hmm. While I was doing it, your job is to listen. The whole thing that I just described took five minutes. If you're talking about your feelings, it doesn't take that long. And what you're doing is listening. Probably to begin with, if we're just starting this, you're gonna hear two voices, mine and the voice in your head arguing with me. Mm-hmm. It'll probably take, if you do this once a week, it's only going to cost you 15 minutes. If you do this once a week, it's probably going to take about two months before you only hear one voice. It's a different experience. Your defenses drop, you relax, and you're just listening to me. And you're really listening. Wow. Right. Okay. And, and real listening, real active listening, I guess it's a process to train ourselves, right? Absolutely. It has a lot to do with emotional intelligence, EQ. Let's go back. Before we had the conference, I spent a little time thinking what I wanted to talk about and thinking it through. Basically, I'm, thinking, I'm taking some time to think about my feelings. Most people go through their day, they don't do that. They just go through their day. <laughs> next, 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 and that's mm-hmm. it. And until they go to sleep. While I was doing this, went through this my five minutes, so you were listening. Right. After my five minutes, what you're going to do is validate what I've said. You're not going to interpret. You're not going to analyze you're going to demonstrate your understanding you're not not by saying i understand just demonstrating you understand feeding it back to you i hear that you said this i hear that you said that i hear that it upset you when i did this i hear that you felt betrayed when i said that just hold up the mirror wow yes (laughs) and then then if i were doing with you then you go and i have the same job listening developing my understanding after you're finished i also spend a couple of minutes validating what you've said and then we're through now what's the point about that because people will say to me that's one of the faqs at the end of the book people say well why can't we talk about this oh you drop it you leave it right there you're done you say your piece it gets mirrored back and then we leave it both of you have said your piece if you start talking about it it'll something will sneak in and it'll be uh no why don't you see it my way the point of it is with people who are in florida and married 60 years and still arguing Basically, what they're really saying is, see it my way. No, see it my way. Well, they don't get it. You're two different people. You're going to die with certain different views of things. It's okay. It's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Right. So there's a building emotional muscle. In other words, after that 15-minute conference, we're not talking about it. We can talk about it and bring it up again the following week when we have our conference. It's better to set this up like, you know, Wednesday night at 8 o'clock at the mm-hmm. kitchen table and just show up. You don't have to remind each other. It uh, becomes part of what you do during your week. After the conference, yeah, you might be, depending what's going on, you might be a little bit agitated, but you have to learn to handle that. So you're building emotional muscle to have a view from your partner and accept it, even if it's a different view than yours. Dr. Joel Block, our guest, The 15-Minute Relationship Fix is his new book. And here's the thing, though, that I, I love this. I think I, I'll, I'll try to even put it on the calendar to have a 15-minute dialogue, this back and forth and mirroring maybe once a week with my husband. But you, you have to have somebody who is willing to look at themselves and how they work right? And who's willing to look at their past and see if they're being triggered. And somebody who's willing to look at their side of the street. I like, I'm thinking of my girlfriends and I got a lot of friends who are married to people who just wouldn't play this game. What do we do when we, when we're married to somebody who, who doesn't want to look at things. They just want to yell and say, I'm right. You're wrong. Or, you know, the man or the woman wants to say, I'm right. You're wrong. What do we do with those people? Is there any way to like 
make inroads there. You introduce them to a good divorce lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, actually, you know what it is? Um, what I found is, I don't know if this completely answers it, but what I found is people are willing to do this and they'll wait in. So it's kind of an organic process. Uh, when people start the emotional conference, they're really building trust with each other. So they'll be cautious. So the things they bring up, you know, the other last week, you didn't empty the dishwasher at all. You, that's part of your job. I did my job. It hurt my feelings. Whatever you want to say. People will wait in, develop trust, see how it goes, and they'll do it at their own pace. So it's not as if you, know, you have a partner who's scared stiff of doing this. They can talk about anything. And in fact, the other part of it is, if they'd like, they can talk about something that doesn't have to do with you. So the other day at work, I really screwed up, and I really feel bad about that. And I, I hope I didn't ruin my job. I hope I'm not going to get suspended or fired or whatever. It doesn't have to be necessarily between the two of you. That's a priority, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not an absolute. And something like that will build trust and build this muscle, this, this relationship yeah, the person, muscle. The person can find a way to take this and start off playing it safer, become accustomed to it, and gradually it's like wading into cold water. Yeah. You could start it right at the edge and slowly at your own pace wade in. We we're, we're tend to be protective. Look, typically we've grown up with parents who, um, one, could be critical, and we kind of internalize that. And uh, two, they, um, there's, a, there's a subtle pressure to grow up in their image of who they want us to be. Then we come into a, an adult relationship and we want to be ourselves. So it takes some time to kind of wade through that and get past the critical part. Again, the person you're sleeping with, generally speaking, is the person whose judgment means the most to you in the world. So it's a very sensitive situation. That's why I've developed the the book in terms of a way to safely be able to be intimate with each other. Beautiful. The 15-Minute Relationship Fix, Dr. Joel Block. Where can we go to find out more about you? DrBlock.com. Dr. Joel Block, if you'd like to win the 15-Minute Relationship Fix book, email me from the contact page at Casey.co. All right, now for the hairy part of our program, armpits, legs, chins... New mom Mara Altman has a book that explores that and beyond the beyond. It's called Gross Anatomy, Dispatches from the Front and the Back. She celebrates the female anatomy like no other. Why? Well, you know, there are just so many parts of our bodies that are normal and even essential that we just have so much shame about. So I had to clearly figure out why we feel this way about vaginal scent and beards, our goatees and our sweat marks and our camel toes, etc. Who did you go to talk to about these things? Oh, so many people. I really cast a wide net. So, for example, talking about hemorrhoids and floppy anuses, I reached out to a colorectal surgeon who had written like 90 papers about defecation. I really got the best people, you know. You went right (laughs) to the top to get to the bottom. But Mara Altman, you are out there to get underneath and find out all about these things in gross anatomy. Tell me about growing up with your mom and and if you explored these kind of things together. I mean, my parents were both very into being natural. So they, you know, my mom didn't shave and we didn't use, you know, detergents with scents. And my dad would like turn up his nose if I tried perfume and my brothers would kind of look at me side eye if I tried 
to wear makeup. So, you know, and then when I encountered friends at school who kind of uh, weren't so into my hairy legs, I had a moment of reckoning. You know, do I do I go the way of my family or do I kind of go with the methods and practices of society? And so I think that's what, what began the whole questioning. If I'm going to shave, which I definitely want to because I don't like be- being called gross, um, why am I doing this? Isn't it amazing how many things that women do day after day after day just because women do these things? Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's okay that we do it, but it's good to know, too, why we do it. And I found after I explored, for example, the chin hair situation and my mustache, all that stuff, um, I had been in a state of kind of hiding and anxiety around my partner finding out that I had chin hairs. And then being able to explore it and find out that I wasn't alone allowed me to feel a lot more liberated, but also... I still, you know, I still trim my chin hairs, but I don't have so much anxiety around the practice and focus about being found out. And even that, I think, is a huge improvement in my lifestyle. And hopefully other people will will relate. You're going to help a lot of people, Mara Altman. And where can we go to find more about you? You can go to my website, which is mara-altman.com. And I'm on Twitter at at Mara Altman. All right. Is there anything you feel self-conscious about now? Of course. I had twins recently, and so I have stretch marks, and I waver between the like, oh, yeah, I earn these stretch marks. I'm amazing. And then like, oh, I don't really like those stretch marks. So it's like, you know, I have both, and I'm processing the body all the time, kind of changing, and same with chin hair. I have it, but I I don't necessarily want someone to, like, take a close-up picture of it and post it on the internet, you know? She's adorable, and the book is really clever. Gross Anatomy, Dispatches from the Front and the Back. If you'd like a copy, email me from the contact page at casey.co. Now, our thought for the day is from actress Gabby Sidibe, who said, People always ask me, you have so much confidence. Where did that come from? It came from me. One day I decided that I was beautiful, and so I carried out my life as if I was a beautiful girl. It doesn't have anything to do with how the world perceives you. What matters is how you see you. Your body is your temple, it's your home, and you must decorate it. Go, shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.